Welcome everyone to this episode of Career Talk. My name is Caitlin Forth. I'm the International Employer Liaison Officer here at Careers Network at the University of Birmingham. And I am so excited because for this episode, we are joined by Sarah Nantume. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, we're really, really glad to have you. And I'm so excited for us to talk because of all of the um, graduate kind of career paths we've um, discussed on this podcast so far, yours is a little bit different. So um, I'm really excited to hear a little bit more about your journey and kind of what brought you to where you are now. Um, I guess with that in mind, would you mind just introducing yourself a little bit and telling us um, where you're from, what you studied at UOB, and just briefly what you do now? Sure. So um, I'm from Kampala, Uganda, my favorite place in the world. <laughs> but the UK is definitely my second home now. And um, I came to the University of Birmingham in 2016 to the UK. And um, I was doing the undergraduate law degree, specifically the senior status LLB which is, which just means that it's the same law degree, but it's accelerated. So you do it in only two years. And after that, I did the legal practice course, which is mandatory if you want to be a solicitor, which is the route that I was taking at the time. And after that, I went back to Uganda briefly. I got an offer there for a company, for a law firm that was ENS Africa. It was a really large law firm. It was over 600 lawyers. So we used to work wow. on a lot of matters. <laughs> yeah, it was quite a lot of work. It was really busy. And um, so I worked there for close to a year and I wanted to continue my further studies. So I wasn't sure. So I did a couple of courses online and also revived a startup project that I'd started while I was at the University of Birmingham with my co-founder and former classmate. And after we went through our startup project, we are like, um, we could probably apply for the startup visa because before we left, we had attempted to do that, but they changed the rules, another whole story. So okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they wanted to move forward with our startup and we contacted ULB and we got all the support we needed. And they really liked our idea and they, they endorsed it for the UOB startup visa. And that's how I came back to the UK. And while I was here, I still didn't want to let go of my career because I you know, sacrificed a lot in trying to be a legal professional. So I started applying for roles as well. And right now I work as part of the legal operations team at LOD which is a legal, flexible legal services firm. So we supplement in-house legal teams. So we handle the operations, the processes, the behind the scenes of the legal work. Sort of. And yeah, so right now, full-time, I work as a legal operations professional, as well as on the startup project full-time. Wow. It sounds like you have a... A lot on your plate right now. <laughs> can you can you tell me a little bit more about your startup and um, kind of how did you come up with the idea and what what is what is the business? What do you do? Um, and just just a little bit of background. Okay, so.
So what, how we started the idea was that when we were at the uni first, Birmingham, I think at the end of first year, we were, I think there was this thing that they used to have called the Birmingham Project. I'm not sure if it's still there now. Yeah. But yeah, basically, so we had to build an app or um, use a technological technological solution to solve real world problems. So basically okay. use an app or a website to address some of the problems that we face in the world today. And um, we were working on something different back then because it's um, the project that gave us what titles we could work on or what problems mm -hmm. we could solve. And, but by the end of it, we were able to build an app ourselves. So after that was done, we started getting interested into what it takes to build an app and the other problems that happen around us that could probably be solved by tech. So initially it started as a travel app because me and my co-founder were really passionate about travel. And, but then it was when COVID happened, we were like, mm, probably not the best idea. <laughs> a little bit tricky. <laughs> yeah, a bit tricky. <laughs> Beatrix is a lot of waiting and we're like okay we can't <laughs> wait we just have to move on so and then we noticed that besides how um how scary COVID was in the beginning there's still some people who are moving about and it was people who had to relocate for work or go back to their home country so for some people it was mandatory for them to move regardless so we started um, thinking about the relocation space and we also reflected on our own experiences moving to the UK and how it was hard to, you know, sort out a few of the things that seem so simple, just knowing what a postcode is and mm -hmm. knowing where to pick up your BRP, just everything was so new and how to use the tube and the train and getting to London and how you can't plan a date in London because you, <laughs> you can't wear your heels or anything too fancy because you have to be mindful <laughs> of having to take the tube and yep. things like that yeah so that's what formed the idea of our startup we wanted to um, be able to help people have better settlement experiences when they relocate to the UK specifically wow do now. that's so helpful and I think it's something that um you know you touched on this but as international students you have the experience and you have that first-hand experience of you know what you wish you had um mm. what what you know services are already offered whether it's through the university or um you know through organizations or easily found online and what's mm. a little bit trickier to find i'm from the us originally and i moved over um to do my undergraduate degree in the uk and yeah. i think had there been something like that i would have found it really helpful because like you say it's the little differences like what is a postcode and how do you take the train I grew up in an area where we didn't really have a lot of public transport so that was all really new to me so it sounds like it's a um a really worthwhile app yeah <laughs> and so relatable so relatable and I think you know um so much of our lives now revolves around travel and so much of um what we do as a society involves a global experience whether it's working with colleagues or traveling for work or relocating to a different country i mean everyone has some form of a global experience so i think it's really relevant as well 
And can you just tell me a little bit about um, how it's gone with, you know, getting your visa? How did how did you find that process? I understand that you worked with um, with the university team. With it would have been, I guess, the B Enterprising team. Um, yeah. How did you find that visa process? What you know, what was tricky about it? Was it easier than you expected, or more difficult than you expected? Oh yeah, that's a really good question because this started from way back in 2017 when we we really um, we realized we wanted to stay in the UK because of the opportunity. Like we were taken aback by the fact that we could even you know build an app ourselves. We thought it's expert to do this. So back then we wanted to put um, we wanted to do this startup idea and. So we went to be enterprising to have a look at our idea, to have a review, to get their thoughts on what they think, if it meets the criteria for the startup visa. But um, so everything went well, they accepted it. And all we had to do was wait for the endorsement. The government was doing updates on the startup visa. And unfortunately for us, just when we were about to apply, the government scrapped it because it was making changes to the studies. So this was like about a week before we applied. Oh, so okay. <laughs> um, that's when we that's when I went back home. So when we wanted to apply the second time to when we wanted to revive the startup project, um, we contacted B Enterprising again and they had these really useful workshops where they'll go through the criteria and how you meet the criteria and how we can, what support is there to help with application, what kind of businesses get endorsed. So we attended that in January. I think they had other sessions in April as well, but the next application period, they do this twice a year. So it was either January or July. So January was too close at the time. So we opted to give time to build our idea and apply in July. So for that, we needed to submit an application to the B Enterprising team. Once mm -hmm. that was submitted, we had an interview in about three weeks. They invited us for an interview. So it wasn't to get us out, it was to ask us about our business, basically. And then within the next two weeks, they, called, they were excited to endorse us for a visa. And they also encouraged us to apply for um, other other programs that could potentially support us, the incubator program as well. So we were able to successfully apply for that. And with regard to the visa, all we needed was to use the investment letter to apply, sorry, the endorsement letter to submit that to the visa office, but it was pretty straightforward. Um, there on it was not as expensive because uh, the requirement was about £1,000 in your bank statement. So it was, it was fairly not too expensive. And then the, and also the NHS searches. So overall, it was about, I'd say, less than £5,000 overall. So and I what, think the process was easier. And what a relief as well. I mean, it sounds like yeah. it was quite stressful at the beginning the first time around um, when yeah. you went to apply for it. So... I can imagine that the second time when it was relatively straightforward and, um, you know, you got the support that you needed from the institution and the government approved the visa um, yeah. relatively, um, you know, relatively quickly without any, um, any hiccups. It sounds like it, you know, that would have been a huge relief. 
And talk to me a little bit about um, the incubator program. How, what was the processing kind of involved with that? Okay, so for the incubator program, we had, um, the university was offering, it was the first time it was doing this, it was having an incubator. So to help early stage businesses um, realize their potential. So by providing support in terms of mentoring, uh, workshops and access to networks within the community, access to other specialist programs, so basically support to help your business grow. And with that also, there was opportunity to apply for a scholarship of about 15,000 pounds, which was a grant to help businesses grow. And yes, yeah, so there was all the support. Um, the incubator had all the support that was necessary to build your program because at first it was scary. It was like, oh my God, are we going to have to do this alone? We don't know enough about, you know, registering the company and having to put it up and being caught up in legal requirements. We were worried, but they've been supportive all the way and they do have regular meetings to check up on us, which has been great. And yeah, we're able to also come meet our visa compliance re requirements. So it's helping us keep on top of things and it's a really amazing program. And That's to apply it, yeah, the applications I think are open um, for at a certain period of the year. So we just applied and had an interview and that was it. That's fantastic. And I'd imagine, you know, deciding to move, um, kind of more permanently after your studies back to the UK and um, working here and starting a business and, you know, making sure that you're compliant with all of the requirements of the visa and registering your company and, and all the legal requirements that come with starting a business. Um, those are all of the hard things that come after the idea. So I imagine having that support has been um, a bit of a relief I guess yeah. to um to help make sure that you know you're on top of things and that you guys are following down the right path you're not missing any big deadlines and you know you're doing things in the right way to make sure that your company is is able to grow and start off on those good foundations yeah and sorry just want to also add that I think the biggest benefit has been the fact that there's a whole community because there's also 30 other businesses so it's sometimes I call it like therapy sessions. You talk to someone else <laughs> who's in the same position as you and you're like, oh my God, I'm struggling with this. Like me too. But then we come up with ideas and how to help each other. Or maybe they've already gone through it so that we, we are able to share resources among each other. So that's also huge. That's Again, really nice to have, to have that community of peers who are in the same or at least a very similar situation and, and a similar kind of timeline that you can help each other in and learn from each other's experiences is fantastic. Do you, um, so you're doing all of this whilst working a job on top of that as well, is that right? Yep. yep. And how, how do you find that, um, the juggle? I mean, normally at this point, I would ask you how you find um, the transition from university to work, but you've not only trans, transition from university to work life but you've also transitioned from university to work life to moving country again <laughs> and starting a business so 
how do you how do you manage kind of all of that workload? Okay, um, that's a really great question because um, it's definitely not been easy. But I'd say, for example, my first job it was um the typical legal role working so many hours. It was really busy working on weekends, so I had no time for other things. Mm-hmm. But um. I'm able to move away from that into a role that sort of suits this kind of lifestyle. So I'm able to still achieve my legal dreams. The legal operations role um, doesn't really have any overtime and I work from home and it's quite flexible. So when I was seeking a role, I was seeking, I had um, my non-negotiables was that I needed the flexibility and I needed to be able to cut off from work and at the same time so that has really been a plus so I'm still able to develop that that side of my career as well as working on the business it's also flexible we've managed to build systems and put systems in place where we work remotely so we use um I don't know if I'm okay it's okay to name job but we use Notion which is a really great tool for okay um collaborating online and so we're able to keep up on top of each other's tasks so it's hectic but um it's very important for me to have a work-life balance I always try to squeeze time and um lucky enough we are three co-founders so we're able to fill in for each other when the other doesn't have time so we just manage to create time it's just about managing and prioritizing I think that's such a good point because I think you know, it's a tricky transition to go from studying um, to a full-time job, but then also when you have several different kind of priorities within your working environment and different, whether it's different projects that you're working on, or in your case, different companies, um, (laughs) it's really important to be able to kind of manage your time and juggle, and you're no longer just focusing on kind of one end goal in the same way that you are when you're studying full-time whilst you were at Birmingham studying were you um was there a particular type of law that you wanted to go into did you did you have a very defined career path that you dreamed of or were you kind of um more exploring your options within I know that typically law students you know go into the field of law um (laughs) but were you exploring your options in terms of what type of legal work you wanted to do? Or was there um, one specific area within the legal sector that you were you had your heart set on? Okay, so, um, yeah, so I had, to be honest, I didn't have my heart set out on anything specific. So that's why mm-hmm. I applied to law is because I heard that you could specialize in different things that you wanted, like medical law or you know human rights law or company law which wasn't the case but <laughs> at the time it's the advice that I got but um so when I went into uni I thought human rights it would probably be human rights law that I wanted to do but when I did the classes it was just political I just wanted to help people I really do want to you know yeah um, draft hundreds of governance agreements or things like that yeah so it was different but um, I've always wanted to do business from when from as long as I could remember so I easily caught on with more of the commercial law modules the company law modules those were my favorite it was like natural for me 
So I focused on that when I also did my legal practice course. I picked specifically company related modules. And yeah, I enjoyed it post work until a certain point. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, um, it's no secret that a legal profession, especially with regard to company and corporate law, is yeah. um, incredibly um, taxing from a time and energy <laughs> um, standpoint. So when you were when you were studying for your LPC and kind of um, looking at your options and I'm guessing looking into different training contracts and um, opportunities at that point, were you considering staying in the UK or were you always hoping to move back to Uganda? Okay, so uh, when I did the LPC, the tricky part was at the time we had to apply for a training contract, but the training contract started, that was in 2019, but the con training contract started in 2021. So it okay. was, there was that gap that I wasn't able to account for and would potentially cause visa problems gotcha. as well. So yeah, that's what kind of made it hard on our side. And, but besides that, I don't think I was determined enough to stay. I'll be very honest. I think I made like only two or three job applications. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even if I go to the next stage, I just wasn't as determined to stay at the point because I, was, I hadn't been home in a long time. So mm -hmm. I had an option. So I was still weighing my options. And so when it didn't work out here, I didn't really push for it. I just said, okay, I'll go back home. Yeah. But I think, yeah, but it's when I went back home and I realized how so much had changed and how I was used to a different life now. And I was like, yeah, this isn't, this is probably not going to work. I have to go back. So did you experience some of that reverse culture shock when you returned home? Um, you know, we we talk a lot about that um, within Careers Network with international students. You know, everyone everyone is prepared for the culture shock of moving to the UK, or maybe not prepared mm -hmm. for it, but at least aware that it's going to happen. But then you spend an amount of time in the UK, whether that's um, three years on an undergrad, four years certainly for some students. You do either um, a foundation and an undergrad, or an undergrad and a, and a postgrad. And then you plan to return home and you think, oh, well, I'll just slip back into my life as it was before. But the problem is with that is that things have changed while you've been away, but also you've changed, your perspective has changed, what you're used to has changed. You have had different experiences and they all shape who we are and make it, um, you know, you it's very difficult to just pick up where you left off. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes can be quite shocking for some students who are looking to return home after their studies. So did you experience that? Experience it in a hundred and one ways, oh my days. Um, back home, people are like more calm. If you've noticed, I talk really calm. <laughs> so everything in Uganda yeah. is pretty much like, like as if everyone lives is on a holiday so just you know moving getting things done getting things done takes time they really they take the time to get things done so I found that particularly irritating because yes. I was just now used to making sure things are done within a day or making sure things are as efficient as possible you could do a lot of I remember in work you could get some things done online but they still wanted the traditional walking into someone's office and getting it done there 
oh, check phones. So, <laughs> so exhausting. And the other little things like being able to order like Amazon Prime with things like and get it a day. Like everything was just different. The customer service. The food's better back home, but then I yeah. definitely miss things that were not here. <laughs> Sorry, that were in the UK and not in Uganda. Yeah. Because it's a landlocked country, so there's no seafood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so there's a few things in there, but yeah, culture shock in, in terms of dealing with people was also different. Like, I was used to being like, hi, this, hi, that. And back home, it's so officious, like, dear this person, dear Mr. This and this. Yeah. So <laughs> it was okay. hard to fit back in. Yeah. It sounds like it's a tricky, um, kind of adjustment and I think when you factor that into you know starting your first job out of university as well not only that transition to work but also that transition to just kind of being back in a different country and that reverse culture shock is a lot to um, contend with tell me a little bit about kind of your time at Birmingham were you involved you mentioned you did the Birmingham project were you involved in any societies or um, did you engage with any kind of careers type activity besides the Birmingham project oh yeah I took everything I could um I did uh no for I'll just start with part-time roles because they're really useful as well so we had WorkLink and they used to send out um, opportunities to work part-time at the cafe at the you know, at um, different events that the uni had. So that was really great in terms of meeting new people and new friends around uni and getting yeah. to know what it's like, um, like the UK work culture a bit, as well as besides that, in terms of support for long-term professional career goals, we had a lot of workshops, career workshops. We had... Um, Sorry, there were so many. <laughs> I said it everything, but I can't even remember now. But um, oh yeah, we used to have employers come to uni and have talks with us. Those were really good because we could have one-on-one sessions and ask them and get the actual insight about the companies, create networks. We also had job fairs. So yeah, besides the freebies, those were really great to me. <laughs> you know, those networking events I think are really beneficial because whether you go into the field that you're hoping to go into during your studies or whether you go into some something else or or like you whether you kind of start a business and continue on in the field that you are studying that networking experience is so crucial because it gives you an opportunity to learn more um about different people learn how to meet different people and talk to lots of different types of people learn how to kind of engage with everyone and level with people from kind of lots of different areas and lots of different um kind of um I guess within that hierarchy of companies as well which I'm guessing suited you quite well both in your legal career but also you know when you're starting a business you need to be able to talk to lots of different people to kind of um pitch your company and get funding and network as well so um I'd imagine that was really helpful for you yeah it was definitely helpful oh yeah we also did have um impact internships that thought were really great where um would help like an under-resourced like company or small community company sort of 
um, rethink their strategy. And we're like, we're so young to do this, but it was exciting, the idea that we came up with because, for example, they needed help with marketing, but they were not in tune with like social media, things like that. So yeah, that was also cool. So we had like a variety of things that we could get involved in, which is great. Sounds like a lot of the experience you had whilst you were at UOB in terms of kind of your career experience and and um, whether it was through um, the college or the law school or um, or through Careers Network Central um, activities. It sounds like you had a lot of um, opportunity to kind of develop your career skills and develop um, a lot of insight into how businesses run and how um, how work culture is in the UK. And those are all things that I'm sure you're probably taking with you as you start up your company now as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. It has been so interesting to learn about your career journey because um, whilst I know that uh, you know, you have loads of career ahead of you. You have a really fascinating pathway so far. And um, we don't talk to many people who have started their own company um, and certainly not those who have started their own company whilst working kind of in their area that they studied as well. So it's really um, fascinating to hear your story. Um, before you go, I just have one more question for you, if that's okay. Um, yeah. If you could give advice to any current University of Birmingham students who are in kind of the position that you were in when you were studying as maybe international students or students who are um, kind of in a similar situation to what you were in of how to either make the most of their time at Birmingham or make the most of their time in the UK, um, either professionally or kind of personally for personal development, what advice would you give to current students? Okay, um, definitely, if you're new, definitely make friends because you definitely need that support going forward. Because for some of the things and opportunities that have made me who I am, it was like a friend who pointed out to me. So I was glad we had that. Or if we're not able to attend class, we're able to ask someone. And um, so your friend, friend is a really big deal because your, the support you have makes who you are. And the other most important is make sure you find the balance in terms of your career goals, um, your studies, and also having the life. Because um, when you've just joined uni, try and find out how to apply for jobs. For example, start applying for jobs straight away if you can, because you get to go in terms of how to perform at interviews. And at the same time, you still be still have to be able to be on top of your work because they'll obviously look at that. At the same time, you still have to be able to live a life because you don't have regrets. So find the balance, but don't wait too late. Like don't wait till your third year to start applying to jobs. And yeah, I think that would be a, um, a major point as well. Like, for example, this is off, but then I had never filled any assessment, but it was always hard for me to go beyond the interview stage. But um, the more interviews I did, the better I got at it. And it's because I started early on. That's such a key, key point of advice is to start early because 
so many people wait until their final year or their final semester in their final year. And then, um, you know, we try to give them advice or we try to um, help with different opportunities. And then they find out about all of the opportunities that they could have engaged with us in or all of the things that they could have done either earlier in the year yeah. or in previous years. Um, and I think sometimes there's that little bit of regret that they didn't um, engage more. In the, and the students that do start from an early, um, early point in their university career are much more in tune with what the process is. And like you say, the more interviews you do, the better you get at it. And it, you know, it's the same with networking. It's the same with um, kind of any, any of these new skills that, that we're expected to have when we finish university. Mm -hmm. The more you do them, the better you get at them. So it's good to have that practice kind of whilst you're studying. But at mm -hmm. the same time, you know, your studying is, it's the key, the key reason why you came mm -hmm. to UOB. Um, and, you know, you can't forget that life experience as well, because our life experience and our support network and, you know, the social experiences we have and the people that we surround ourselves with help shape who we are and um, kind of help mold us into the people that companies will hire anyway. So, it, you know, all three of those elements are really crucial to um, your experience, your life experience as well. So. I think that's a really good point. Sarah, it has been absolutely lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, we wish you all the best with your venture and, um, you. you know, and, and your legal career as well. But um, we're really excited to hear, you know, keep, keep tabs on you and uh, see how things are going. And we really appreciate your time. Okay, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. And if anyone wants to reach out, they could contact me on LinkedIn or they could follow Maze if they need help with um, any settling experiences that they need sorted out in the UK. Definitely. I will for sure be recommending Maze to anyone that I know that moves over. So thank, thank you. you very much for your time. <laughs>